Hello, Kardec Radio Facebook page. This is September 22nd, 2019. It is 7 o'clock Pacific. I'm sorry, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 o'clock Pacific, all time zones in between and around the world. We are bringing to you another Sunday evening in some parts of the world all about Spiritism. And of course, we're brought to, to you by... Alan Kardec, the codifier of Spiritism. He gave us the wonderful doctrine of Spiritism, also called Christian Spiritism, which brings us the concept of reincarnation, karma, the immortality of our soul, tells us about specifics, about heaven, so many things. It's just wonderful. And his book is a compilation of 1,019 questions. You can look him up on as Alan Kardec and do a space PDF and you can find all his books on PDF. He is the codifier of Spiritism. I recommend everyone start with his book. I have written books myself. I'm on nwspiritism.com. I write it a little bit differently. I mean, Alan Kardec, everyone learns uh, in different manners. And so therefore, if you would like to uh, learn more, you can check out my books. You can get them on Kindle, paperback. And also I have a couple books on audio now. I have The Seven Tenets of Spiritism on audio and How to Live also, uh, which is How to Live Inner Peace Through Spiritism on audio. So let's talk about what we are, our main topic today. And that is family problems. And family problems are all in my book, The Problem is the Solution, Seven Life Complications Sent to Test and Teach You. So let's go through it. I see people are coming on Facebook. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone has a fine Sunday evening. So let's talk about family groups. Or actually, uh, groups, family problems. People are interested in this. Because now, first thing we like everyone to know is family groups tend to stay together in life after life. Your brothers or sisters or cousins may have known you in previous existences. The law of affinity, which is the divine law that groups like with like, is the governor which sorts and filters who we reincarnate with and in what circumstances. Upright families conjugate together, and families of thieves have their reunions and life after life. Is this fair? For many, no, but it is extremely efficient. Let me explain this, because one of the things we've always said about uh, Christian behavior is that um, it's you know it's hard to get in heaven if you have one life and you're and you're born into this horrible family. How can you be good? I mean, yes, there is a possibility it's not a great probability but it's difficult and spiritism brings this the fact is they'll put you in those in those families in order to test and teach you and you have many many lives to ascend there is no there is no uh, eternal hell or purgatory there is you know there is a purgatory like area which is they call the dark abyss, which is underneath the crust of the earth. But you are only there; your soul is only there until you start changing your behavior. So that is why I think spiritism really answers the fairness doctrine. Now, again, you look at this as one life, and you see good people going through bad things, and bad people are having all sorts of riches and rewards. You go, well, that's not fair. And you're right if you look at it through this time little time period. 
But if you look at it through eons and multiple lives, then yes, it becomes fair. So let's talk about this. And a lot of it centers around the law of affinity, which I call as the enforcer of good behavior. The spirits tell us that one could summarize the doctrine of spiritism as the golden rule. If you always follow the dictum, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, you have achieved the lion's share of what the spirit realm and Jesus himself has been trying to teach us for the last two or three thousand years. You know, Jesus actually influenced other prophets coming to earth, Socrates, uh, you know, all the, all sorts of other, other people. So, so the problem is, is the majority of people ask themselves, why should I follow the golden rule? It may make my conscience feel serene for a moment or two, but as sure as heck doesn't put food on the table. Ignoring it puts lots of food on the table and other luxuries as well. After all, what is life for except to pamper ourselves and be rich and, and, you know, and with that is to make money whatever way you can. And unfortunately, everyone knows the fastest way to get rich is to take money from other people. Honest methods tend to be slow and sure, but nothing beats a dishonest or unscrupulous scheme for speeding up the process of draining people, of draining capital from hapless suckers in your own bucket, right? And sure, a pain of guilt may strike every now and then, but living the life of luxury more than makes up for the temporary discomfort. Have we seen many people like that? Well, this doesn't last long, and people learn it's not a good idea. Why? The law of affinity is the answer. It provides the entire backstory, the complete process that controls your life on earth and in the spirit world. The law of affinity, which is, 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 is part and parcel, is... The law, you know, with karma, right? When you do wrong deeds, you know, everything's added up, right? So you have, you have the process of reincarnation. You have karma, which keeps track of everything you've done and the law of affinity where you're going to be placed. It remembers every deed, every slight and every deceitful and insincere act that you have either thought of or committed somehow. For the process is still unknown. The complete process is not known to us. Your baggage is tagged with your name on it. Now, of course, we all have a unique identifier, but everything is there. And the only way to relieve yourself of the paper trail of fines that are following you is to pay them. And the law of affinity is the enforcer. It tracks and categorizes your past actions and deposits you exactly where you belong. For many, this is their worst nightmare. For even I, when I was young, I hated it when anyone said, well, you get what you deserve. And I always thought, well, the other person should get theirs first and leave me alone long enough, you know, for somehow to get my paperwork lost. Now, this divine law, this immutable law, associates us with others similar to us. In other words, to reverse paraphrase the golden rule, we are done to what we have done to others. Hence, if we were criminals, we are put on earth probably with some of our accomplices, so we may collectively figure out the wisdom of associating with those like ourselves and accumulating enemies. If we were basically decent stock, we will be allowed to be raised and supported by others like us, thus helping us on our way to spiritual enlightenment. There are many variations. A reprobate may be allotted to a good family to give him or her a decent start in life. Then will be presented with a harrowing set of trials to determine if she or he will make honorable free will decisions. 
or a decent fellow may be selected as the only son of a couple who robbed him of his rightful inheritance in a past accident, right? In a past life, I mean. So he may reclaim it when his parents die in a tragic accident. The bottom line is that everything we did all comes back to us. Even, at times, what was taken away returns to our possession. Now, one may ask, if so, you know, how could we improve? Wouldn't it be tougher in such difficult circumstances? Could a poor soul who has much to learn in the spirit world amongst ill-intentioned spirits or on earth in a mafia-like family actually rise above the muck and modify his or her behavior? Well, the answer is yes, it is possible and it is challenging, but it can be done. And also remember, the spirit world isn't, isn't trying to perform a miracle in one life for us, right? They, they know that the lessons we have to learn will take multiple lives. So give it all time. Don't be impatient. I know that's not easy. So is it conceivable to improve in the worst of conditions because of the gift from God that we have all embedded within us? And the answer is yes, he has given us gift of a conscience implanted in our spirit and in our physical brain is the entire set of divine laws and a detector when we violate one. When we start out as primitive beings, we gleefully ignore the warning bells and whistles. Gradually, we notice that it is better to heed the signals we give ourselves than to ignore them. And as we accumulate experiences over thousands, if not tens of thousands of years, we build up a library of interpretations so we may fully understand the nuances in every situation and select the truest course of action. At some point, for all of us has started from a deep hole we have dug ourselves by our intransigence. We grasp the concept that by following our inner detector, a better life is possible. From that humble beginning, we commence to climb upward and outward. It takes a long time. People, I know I talk to people now every day or answer emails. Everyone, you know, I, not everyone, but I would say a lot of people, they're frustrated with themselves. And they, they're frustrated that they can't change themselves fast enough. Well, changing yourself, and I talk about this in my book, How to Live Inner Peace Through Spiritism. Changing yourself is not just a one lifetime. I mean, I'm sure some people can do it. But as long as you start... And I know for me, I've tried to start. I know I'm not going to do it this lifetime. I, I just don't see how. I have too much of my old self in me. But I'm changing things as I go. Be patient. So now let's talk about family problems. I've kind of set the stage, right? You now know you reincarnate. The law of affinity puts you with those kind of you belong. You've got your past deeds that you, you may have to atone for. You also have past good deeds that will actually help you. So, before you came out in the world, acquired education, created new loving ties to that special partner, you had parents. Those of us who were lucky had wonderful parents. I remember when I was in high school talking to other boys about our parents. When I heard them planning to leave home as soon as possible, I didn't believe it at first. I was planning to live with my parents for as long as possible. They were great. I had the good life. Looking back, I realized I was pretty spoiled. I recall the time when my mother told me it was it was time when I should start to do my own laundry. And I answered her back with a complete shock that I couldn't do that. Then she looked at me and said, okay. And I never received that request again. Whereas I was lucky, many are not. In the book, Spiritual Wisdom, Mrs. of Hope, 
the Spirit of Emmanuel speaks about this situation. This is what he says. If life have given you difficult parents, who either were not presently capable of showing a certificate of irreprehensible, irrehensible conduct on a daily basis, do not exempt yourself from loving and respecting them all the same. Emmanuel goes on to point out that for many cases, the child of the parents demanded to be reborn with them. Only by staying together could past wrongs be rectified. He begs us to look at the big picture. He says, in the roles of parents or children, we are beings on the path of improvement, requiring immortality for its accomplishment, who will only successively manage to sanitize our own imbalances and maladjustments if we dedicate ourselves to mutual understanding and respect. I remember I was still talking about high school. I had that friend who said, no, he wanted to leave his home as quick as possible. And he, you know, he, he said, you know, you don't need to have a license or a test to be a parent. You can just be a parent. And, um, I, you know, some of us are very lucky. He, you know, had many problems. He was a very good guy, too. He wasn't a rabble-rouser or anything like that. He wasn't one of those people. He was just a very even-tempered person. I think he was given into a, a very strange family life. Therefore, we should recognize the web of events which draws us together, are convoluted, and mostly beyond our immediately understanding in this life. This is why Emmanuel asks us, he says this to us, in the presence of complicated parents, assist without ever reproaching them. Why, that must be tough. They demand from you appreciation and assistance so they may find their own paths in life to the same extent that you received from them the support and compassion to reach the human school. Now, while Freud constricted himself to events in childhood, Spiritism acknowledges that we and others around us are driven by events from the distant past. Be content that although unknowable, there are many good reasons for difficulties. And if the worst occurs and you can't manage to even associate with one or both of your parents, then try and do so without rancor or emotion. Prepare yourself for re reconciliation if the opportunity arises. There are also situations where you volunteered to be a child with parents who need your assistance. Think of this. This could be you. There is an example of this in the book Between Heaven and Earth. There is a passage where spirits are in a home talking about a 14-year-old girl. She's sitting quietly in a chair in a corner, embroidering initials on a linen handkerchief. A spirit pointed out, her out and remarked, She has come to meet other perth persons and the situation she needs in order to ascend spiritually, but she has also brought with her the task of assisting her parents. At the moment, she believes her mother is the one doing the assisting, but because of her spiritual merit, she is actually the one that is assisting her still-struggling mother. So, did you grow up in a family where sometimes you thought you were the only adult? You tried to help your parents, but it was difficult to bring them to their senses? Well, take heart. You probably volunteered for the duty, even though it may have left you slightly confused how on how you could have come from that set of parents. Whatever the case, you were blessed with a chance to help those in need. Now, let's talk about the death of a child. The death of a child is one of the hardest tragedies to bear, and the spirit world realizes this. 
and therefore they attempt to bring comfort in many ways. If you take the time to calm yourself and see the signs that rain down upon you, you will detect the guidance of the spirit world. During your trials, you may have had dreams, dreams which gave you hope or answered difficult questions. Dreams can play an important part in our lives. According to Spiritism, when we sleep, we are able to roam in our spirit form to talk with other spirits. These can be other incarnates who are also sleeping, or spirits currently free of a physical body. Often, the spirit world attempts to help us through our trials by taking our spirits while asleep and giving us information and feelings about pertinent episodes in our life. I was struck by the amount of support the spirit world gave a woman I corresponded with who had had the experience of the tragic loss of her baby boy. She was very distraught and couldn't understand why her precious son was taken from her. She found my spiritist blog, nwspiritism.com, and was looking for answers. She could not reconcile the loss of her baby with her beliefs. We texted back and forth, and I learned that her son had died at a very early age, and that she had two other children. And as we were discussing spiritism, I suddenly had the feeling to ask if her son had any serious birth defects. Now, I asked that question because in many instances, in spiritist literature, souls who have had traumatic previous lives, meaning a death by suicide or other causes, require special help to recover. A spirit can damage their paraspirit, that which connects their their spirit to their physical body. Let me show you, for those who are watching live, let me show you a picture of what I'm talking about. I want everyone to understand this. So we are composed of three components. The spirit, the paraspirit, and our physical body. So our spirit always stays within the spiritual realm. It connects to, to the paraspirit, which covers our body like an invisible diving suit. But then even more than a diving suit, it permeates into every cell in our body. It helps regulate everything. And that's why when you have stress or you're, you violate your conscience and be, then you have stress, it, it disrupts the harmony. It disrupts the messages around the paraspirit throughout your whole body and at different force centers. And that's what causes, uh, you know, illnesses. So it's why it's important to follow your conscience. So, as I was saying, so if that paraspirit is damaged so severely that sometimes it'll require a short rebirth to correct it, a limited stay in a physical body will allow them to recover and then they can incarnate again in a healthy manner. So she was taken aback by my question and asked, why did I ask it? And I told her about the need to repair a paraspirit. She told me that her son had been born with a heart defect, but it was undetected at first. When they found out about it, she had an he had an operation. He seemed to be recovering, but he died suddenly. She felt great regret that she didn't find the flaw sooner. I told her it was my belief that her little soul most probably required an abbreviated stay, and then he may come back to her at a later time. And I had read about this occurring with other parents and children. As an example, in one of the books by Chico Xavier, a man who killed himself with poison because he was in love with a woman who spurned him and went with another man was mentally in great pain in his spirit body. 
the spirit world trying to reconcile past entanglements, sent him as her son in another life. Since he drank poison and hurt his body, he was born very sickly and only lived a few years. She was heartbroken. Happily, a year after his death, she had another son, who was in actuality the same soul, but this time he was very healthy. So when the woman I was texting heard this, she told me of a dream she had. She was on a beach and she met a teenage boy, about 17 years old. She knew it was her lost son. She just felt it, right? And she felt it was a vision to let her know that he was fine and he would still have a future. I told her that she should seriously consider that the dream was arranged by the spirit world to give her hope and to not allow herself to fall into depression. Then she started telling me more. She told me that her father-in-law dreamt that he had talked to her recently past son. Her father-in-law said that the boy spoke to him and told him the universe was all about love. Sounds like spiritism, does it not? The father-in-law asked what could they have done to keep him on earth. In a reply that was all part of a plan, the boy told him it would all be fine. So it's just so interesting when you read these things. This is from people's dreams. And there you have, right? It's all part of a plan. It's exactly what spiritism tells us. And you hear this on NDEs, near-death experiences. I, you know, you over and over again, I went, I had this life, you know, life review and you know it said my plan is going well or not and it, you know my blueprint or whatever they call it right they always call it something and but it's all part of the plan it's it's i still think it's amazing to know that your life is mostly predetermined right now the spirit world always tells us no no you have free will but our free will is mostly i could be wrong on this but i think our free will is mostly our attitude and our choices in when things happen to us, right? I think events are going to happen to us. We don't have much free will about that. But we can learn. We can choose to learn. We can choose to be nice through it all. Okay, so get back to the woman. So again, the boy told the father-in-law everything will be fine. So I, this is the spirit world trying to help this woman. And I told this woman, this was another sign from the spirit world to give you comfort that you are very lucky to have such support and care surrounding you. Still, she was uncertain if these dreams meant anything. So I probed more. Then she told, I said, was there anyone else? Well, then she told me, well, her mother had a dream in which her son would be reborn to her. I was amazed. Frankly, I had never heard of such a constellation of dreams, all for the purpose to supply love and comfort for a deeply sorrowful mother. This woman must have been a very good spirit because they are really helping her. Again, I expressed my belief that she had been given a wonderful gift and that she must be a very kind and loving person to have so much support from the spirit world. I told her to keep thinking positive and learn to love all around her. And she replied that she does love all of her family. And I said, yes, but you need to learn all of humanity with the same intensity as you love your little son. Now, I recognize that's harder said than done, but something we need to approach. You don't have to achieve it, but try to approach it. Because I told her that this is the message the spirit world has sent us again and again. And this is exactly what your son told your father-in-law. And at the end, I urge her, remain faithful and that all would be right. That there must be a plan to help her, her family, and her son. 
give you another instance. A family that I know had, I think he was 22, and he just finished college. And he, you know, he was on the road with some friends, and he just, I, I believe he died of some, you know, either a massive heart attack or whatever. And of course, what happens, now these people were spiritists. So of course, what happens is everyone, oh my God, he died, and he was just beginning to live life. Well, he was told in a message from, you know, from a spiritist medium that, no, this was all, his son is fine. Everything was according to plan. Another example, the spirit Emmanuel, who was the spirit mentor of Chico Xavier. Now, as a spirit mentor, he was supposed to communicate with Chico here on earth. Chico was born in 1910 and died in, I think, 2002. And he was supposed to, you know, he, he actually um, dictated many books, wonderful books, right? 2,000 years ago, I recommend that to everybody. Uh, Paul and Stephen, another all about the Apostle Paul. Unbelievable book. And there's more. But he had been reincarnated the last time pretty far back. So what he did is he was reincarnated before Chico was born. And he spent about 20, I don't know how many, he was very young, he, you know, in his early 20s, he went to college. He may not even been that old, but he went to college and and he died very young. Now, again, you say to yourself, oh, the poor guy, you know, his life was, you know, he's just educated. He missed all the fun in life. And the answer is no. And of course, imagine how bad his parents felt. But the answer is no. He was here on earth. Why? So he could learn modern Portuguese. So he could communicate. He could write his books in the right, in, in you know, in the right manner. He could communicate with Chico in the right manner, and all of this would be easier. He was sent to Earth for one main reason: to learn modern Portuguese or modern during that time. So you never know. Don't I mean? Of course, you're going to feel sad that someone is gone, but there's usually an excellent reason. I also read another account where this is from Father Crispin. And he was walking along the beach. He was a medium. And he saw this little body floating. And he, he saw the spirit come out of this body. It was like a, a baby that some woman like threw into the surf, right? Because she didn't want the baby. Didn't want anybody to know about the baby. And he said, oh, he goes, are you okay? He goes, oh, well, you know, I was killed again. And he goes, well, why? He goes, I've had to go through this many times. And then he's talking to the spirit. He goes, why? He goes, well, I was a pirate. And when I took over ships, if there was any kids, they were no use to me. I threw them in the ocean. And now I have to come back many, many times. And I'm just thrown into the, to the water. I go, I'll, I'll pay for that. I'm paying for it now. But I know I'll never do that again, right? I'm paraphrasing. So... These are things that, you know, to us are just horrendous, but there is a reason. So, read, you know, so when I talked to her and talked to her, they, one, could say, one could say, well, how come she has so many doubts? I mean, you know, she's got so many signs. She's had dreams and, and you know, she's had her mother, her father-in-law. She had her own dream. And the answer within our modern culture 
His dreams and feelings aren't validated as rational explanations. And, and she's a very educated woman, and I perfectly understand her wish to know with certainty, right? But you're not going to get from the spirit. We're not going to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, a uh, notarized thing, you know, message saying this is why it's happened. So, um, so I perfectly understand, right? I understand that. And at some time in the future of our planet, we shall know with absolute proof that the spirit world is real. For now on our current earth, which is the planet of atonement, where we travel through many lives to pay for our past debts and to learn, we are like students who are tasked with the assignment to come to our own conclusion concerning the possibility of the spirit realm and all its meaning. Now, I had a question here is... You know, what happens, you know, let's say for a woman who's had an abortion. Now, this, again, I believe that everybody has their own free will. All I can say is report what I've read in spiritist literature. One, life starts at, in, at inception. The, the, the soul of the, the spirit comes and embraces the embryo. And, the fertile, you know, with the fertilized sperm of the embryo, the fertilized embryo, at the moment of inception, right? Conception, I should say, not inception. Conception. And when that abortion is done, that soul then has to go again. So what happens to a lot of people who have done this is, and what I've read, is that in their next life, they're not allowed to have a family. They're not, they won't have children. They may have a husband or a husband, you know, if a lot of times two are at fault, right? It's the man said, no, get, you know, get abortion. So just to let you know, karma works, right? I am absolutely, the spirit world absolutely gives us our free will. You don't have to do whatever you want to, but there is, there is a, uh, there's a, you know, a reaction, right? For every action, there's a reaction. This is one of the hard things that people deal with spiritism is that, you know, people ask me all the time, well, you know, I'm told that Jesus forgives me for all my sins, right? And I say, well, I say, first of all, we don't call them sins because some things in different culture, people will say it's not right or wrong. Spiritism doesn't say that, right? You know, we call them wrongs and most wrongs are what you do against your own conscience. And yes, Jesus and the spirit world and God always loves you. But let me ask you this. If you had a two-year-old baby and they did something dangerous, are you just going to say, oh, you know, no, no problem. You know, go run out in the street. No, you're going to take that kid and you're either going to, you're going to take that, that precious two-year-old and you're going to either put them in a corner and they're going to cry and scream because you are so horrible, but you're doing it because you know that they, they need that lesson. You know, and if they don't do it, then you may have a little slap on the hand. I mean, and and again, they'll cry. But if you didn't do that, you would not be doing your duty. Same thing is in relationship to us. If the spirit will let us be primitive spirits who grabbed and murdered and cheated people and did terrible things in life after life, but we still love you, but we're not helping you, we're not helping you mature in any sense of the meaning, right? Is that responsible? Is that love? No, it's not love. It's not responsible either.
So think about this. And think about, sometimes we think of things that are done to us, and we say, we're being punished. Well, no, you're being educated. And I know it's easy for me to say, and it's hard for anyone in that uh, episode, but you're being educated for a reason. You're not being punished. The spirit world does not punish us. It helps us. Therefore, when you go through these things, this is why I wrote this book, The Problem is the Solution, and talking about difficult family, family problems. They're there all for a reason. So, so all I can say is the spirit realm is actually actively teaching us, planning trials and classes for us to sit through. Like good teachers everywhere, they aren't going to give us the answers. We must decipher them for ourselves. We need to gather what evidence we detect and build our faith upon a foundation of reasoning. Will we be able to communicate our findings to others with absolute certainty? No. But within ourselves, as we observe the phenomena around us, we realize there is more than just a short and often brutal existence. Now, let's talk about if you're a parent and you have a problem child. There are many instances in spiritist literature of families and children who have come back to Earth to be part of a mutual support group time and time again. And I discuss one such family that have been coming back to the earthly plane assembled together with slight variations in my book, The Seven Tenets of Spiritism, How They Impact Your Daily Life. From the time of Christ to the present day, they have been associated with each other, all supporting each other. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Now, on the other hand, the list of families with members who are thrown together to repair past wrongs and teach the value of forgiveness is also quite large. The catalog of possible transgressions that humans do to one another would make a sad novel indeed. And remember, the spirit world doesn't like unreconciled problems. Get that into your head right away. If you have someone you, you just can't like or they hate you or you just like oh try your best to reconcile that because you know what you're going to be thrown together over and over again it could be your child or you could be their child so from spurned love to complete obsession to violence murder torture to financial crimes and stolen inheritance mixed with manslaughter the span is almost eternal what can happen whatever scenario a sen sensationalist writer could create in their head has already been committed by someone in some place at some time in one of the spiritist books psychographed by chico xavier there's a story of a man who wished to secure the inheritance of his father for himself and exclude his two brothers the man arranged to have his brothers drown in the lake so all of the land and wealth would be his and his alone the brothers from the spirit plane did their best to plot revenge against the sole survivor, but his conscience proved hard to penetrate and he did not respond to their constant messages of hate. Only when that criminal died did this toll of his act crash upon him and he wandered in a pitiful state in the lower zone. He was friendless, persecuted by the two he murdered and alone. So then, the spirit realm rescued this guy from the lower zone, the one who committed the crime, and then the brothers couldn't find him. But then what they did, they turned their attention to the son of their hated brother. And these two caused his, the, the perpetrator's only son to become a miser. He turned away from his wife and children and thought only about money. 
The two brothers deliberately surrounded him with waves of thought of the other importance of gold to the exclusion of all else. The spirit world, recognizing the injustice of the situation, arranged to have the brothers reborn as two male children of the innocent son of the perpetrator. Perpetrator, I should say. <laughs> Thusly, they would get back all that was stolen from them, and the son would be free of being persecuted for a crime his father committed. So, we all have to take a deep breath. Justice, in our eyes, will, may, work slowly, but it is unwavering. The lives that were cut short by homicide will be given back. That which was taken will be replaced. Who knows what major role or minor part we play in the delivery of justice to those who were wronged. Therefore, the previous relationship of your child to you or your spouse could have deep undercurrents. Emmanuel tells us of some of the possibilities. He says, on earth, we are rather often hit harder by feelings from individuals who associated to us in our physical existence. Their sentiment now comprised the harvest of what we morally sowed in our past, and those associates are now asking us for atonement and renewal. The so-called Oedipal complications are nothing else but the representation of the otherwise obscure interwoven relationships that we created when we trapped dear souls in our sentimental cell by ties that they presently request to be undone, so we may all experience joy from the ensuing mutual liberation. So what's he telling us? The son who loves his mother and rejects the father may have been an obsessed tormentor, tor tormentor of his past love, now his mother. The spirit world, in their attempt to turn his sexual passion into one of love and respect for women, planted the young soul in the bosom of a family to repair last past damage. The same is true for a father who had a daughter, who may have been tied with him in an unhealthy manner. Emmanuel elaborates, Likewise, the daughter bound to the paternal spirit in serious difficulties to remove herself from the grips of authority, is habitually the same companion whom he manacled to himself in former experiences, and today she beseeches him the indispensable assistance to distangle herself from the selfishness of the deceiving influence perpetrated in the name of love. So, even subtle wounds must be repaired. Uneven relationships, where one dominated the other, must be brought into equilibrium, with ties of paternal love instead of sexual love instead. In one recorded instance, a woman who was completely entranced by a married man did everything she could to wreck his marriage. In a later life, she was reborn as the sister to her object of desire. The spirit world wished to teach her to replace fraternal love with her overwhelming passion. The scheme worked to a point for every one of her brother's girlfriends he brought home. She despised all of them and she never thought his wife was good enough to be for her brother. Of course, we were told that other than that, small quirk, she was really a wonderful woman who was kind and helped the poor, just a, a wonderful person. But she never liked the girlfriends of her brother. So aren't these things come from past lives? So understanding and compassion must rule your emotions while dealing with a difficult child. At times, one must wonder what you did to deserve this. The answer most probably isn't in your present life. It is of no use beating yourself up for events in the distance past. 
One must not look back. One must always strive forward. Emmanuel gives us this parting advice. If you bring with you this or that child in conflict or face difficult parents, never allow yourself to become irritated or condemn them. Love them for whom they show themselves to be and pray for them, blessing their presence and respecting their decisions in the certainty that God, whose infinite kindness has always cared for us, will also care for them. In addition, remember that neither you nor they were created for the captivity of affection, but rather to be responsible and free so that they may consciously work towards the improvement of life through the sublimation of immortal love. Now, now let's talk about children leaving home. Now, there are always difficulties with a child whom you remember so fondly as a small, innocent, and dependent is getting ready to leave the home or start a family on their own. It's very difficult for many people. So Emmanuel tells us this. Admits the comfort of home, it is very common for us on earth to forget our children have grown in physical size and in spiritual responsibilities. And almost invariably, albeit involuntarily, we begin to influence them unconstructively beyond the scope of the esteem we owe them. Let us ponder on this issue and learn to free them from our demands contrived as love. Let us be resolute to help, offering them the opportunities to be themselves in the choices they make and in the experiences they pursue. We must remember that they will not always attune to our inclinations and purposes. They will aspire to other friendships and habits. They will wish to try another style of existence that is different from the one with which we are familiar to work and live. They undoubtedly love us as much as we love them. However, they are inclined to follow paths that are different from ours. And that's why it's it's important for us to remember they have their own path, and their own path was written before, probably even before, or at the same time that we were being born, becoming adults, so we could become parents. All these things are laid out way in advance in the spirit realm. The spirit Emmanuel lays out the reasons and necessities for children going on their own path and the manner of informal support we should extend them. What isn't said is that each of us, every individual walking on earth at this moment, has their own customized set of trials awaiting them. You, me, everyone. When ch- children are poised to leave the nest, they are graduating from a type of preparatory training in life, which has had harsh trials for some, but on the whole, an interlude full of softer lessons. From this cushioned phase, they embark on a lifetime full of the real trials ahead. Trials which shall test and mold the character of your offspring. And sometimes, when bad things happen, it could be the best. It's a lesson given to them. The spirit world is depending on your ability to prepare your children for the great challenges of life. A life predestined to the right, the wrongs, and fill in the gaps which were exposed in previous lives. In your mind, totally unfair events may occur to your precious sons and daughters, but the hurdles encountered were placed in front of them for a reason. Your attitude and support in meeting the test a lot of them will determine if they will accumulate the knowledge required for successful completion of that class or if they have to retake the course again in the next life. Teach them to learn from things, to accept it, then forget it, analyze it, and move forward. Now let's talk about difficult relatives. In the book, Spiritual Wisdom, Misses of Hope, 
published by the Spiritus Alliance for Books in 2015. It's a collection of short articles on many subjects which are reprinted from the original publication in a Sao Paulo newspaper in the early 1970s. In one of the chapters, Emmanuel, again, I'm going to Emmanuel a lot in this one, writes about the difficult relative who we all know must be present in any larger family. This is what he says. Companions from the past return to us claiming service or conciliation, the reformation or assistance that we owe them. The suffering and battered heart who shares with us the daily road on earth is invariably that same spirit who made us debtor of great kindness and even greater dedication. The rebellious child with whom you unexpectedly share your life is the brother you injured yesterday. With the rashness that threw him in, through him and are to suggestions of revenge. The unsubordinate daughter of the present is the young woman from the past in whose feelings you sold despair and revolt. The present-day enigmatic father is the fellow whom you enslaved to your whims and whose past life you commanded with violence and tyranny. The overbearing mother is the former sister you kept under the weight of oppression. Oppression. The restless relative, bearer of great impatience, is always the same person who became unstable in remote times as a result of our mistakes and who now demands recovery at the expense of our care and devotion in the arena of physical existence. Well, while the above, you know, what I read may not be true of every situation, Emmanuel tells us to treat all with love, care, and devotion. Our major task on earth is to repair and to reconciliate, repair the harm and reconciliate what we did with others in past lives. Therefore, look upon each difficult family member as a challenge to surmount. Turn your disdain into compassion and bring them to your side. Keep in mind, if you succeed, you may not have to suffer them ever again. You're gone. That could be that could be motivation for you. Of course, hopefully as you get higher and higher, you'll love them no matter what. And my words will think, well, why did he say that? Now that it may help. So, what have we learned from this? Well, first, love is the answer. The Spirit Road always tells us love as much as we can. The family is the microcosm of society. And until we learn the value of love, charity, fraternity, and honesty within our own family, the advancement of our society as a whole is stunted, right? How can we handle the failures and dropouts of our culture without first understanding how to effectively assist those next to us? In attempting to help others in their trials, be they our daughters, sons, or parents, we must do so with love. And by love, the spirit world means that deep sense of affection for others, compassion, and forgiveness. It does not mean rolling over to every unreasonable demand in the absence of discipline. And an enlightening passage, the spirit realm, tells us what Jesus actually meant by the meek shall inherit the earth. In the book, Jesus in the Home, psychographed by Francisco Chico C. Xavier and dictated to him by the spirit Neo Lucio, there is discussion about what is meant by the meek shall inherit the earth. In Peter's house, well, where many chapters of the book take place, the disciples are heatedly debating, how could this be? After all, if only evil was strong and aggressive, how could good ever emerge victorious? Jesus let them all calm down and he answered. And, and this was interesting because I read this and I saw this it, to me because I felt the same. Like, how can the meek inherit the earth? This is what he said. Of course, you are all mistaken. 
I didn't praise laziness, which hides behind the mask of humility, nor cowardliness, which dons the appearance of prudence in order to better accommodate itself to human conveniences. Individuals who become attached to such artifices will greatly suffer the spiritual measures that the world uses to reform torturous and indecisive characters. Actually, I was praising the courtesy that we all owe to one another. Blessed are the mild-mannered who are able to use their constructive energy in a gesture of kindness and a word of understanding. Blessed are the children of balance and kindness who learn how to deny evil without insulting ignorant neighbors who request it without knowing what they are asking for. Blessed are those who repeat the same lesson a thousand times over without boasting about it, so that their neighbor may feel the influence of their action. Blessed are those who know how to deal with the rich and the poor, the wise and the ignorant, the good and the evil within the spirit of service and understanding giving to each one in accordance with their merits and deeds, while leaving traces of improvement, spiritual growth, well-being, contentment wherever they go. In truth, I say to you that they will inherit the spiritual domain of the earth, because all those who welcome their neighbor within the guidance lines of love and respect are owners of the heart that are perfected in this world. And again, this corresponds with Elder other spirits are telling us in the books by spiritist mediums. There's a passage where it taught us about the difference between anger and indignation, where one must use positive energy to accomplish a goal to, or to persuade others to get a job. It's completed with loving firmness. So you can still be as Jesus like meek, right? But you, you are civil, but then you use that positive. You may get indignant, but you use that energy you get something done. You don't attack other people. You use it as force. So the phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth, as I said before, also confused me. And I imagine it just meant standing there taking whatever undue punishment was delivered to you. But now I see it all about our approach, keeping ourselves in check and remaining caring and positive. Yet firm is the core of the message. All should be treated with respect. And by doing so, the people we work with will be more open to learn from our example. And another exhilarative example is the deep regret of a mother who wants the breakdown of her daughter from the spirit world. The mother who passed away a few years earlier had sent her, sorry, had spent her life spoiling and sheltering her daughter. Anxious to impose no burdens whatsoever, she kept real world problems and stresses from her beloved girl. And after the daughter's mother died, she fell in with a bad crowd and became pregnant. Not being able to recognize unscrupulous intentions or make decisions for herself, she allowed others to drag her down into, into an abyss which she had no hope of climbing out. Completely distraught, she committed suicide. Her mother realized too late that by denying her daughter the gift of working for what is hers, experience, experiencing life and the variations of good and bad people around her, she had committed a great disservice. Having no conception of self-denial and no satisfaction of earning a reward given by hard work. Her daughter wasn't ready for life on earth or in the spirit world. Spirits have told us that self-denial is like pruning a tree. When we determine we can live just fine without a material good, we grow stronger just as a tree sprouts a sturdier branch while the trunk becomes more solid. After years of trimming and regrowth, a tree is able to withstand any storm. 
Practice self-denial and learning the joys of making your own way establishes a firm foundation and a belief in oneself. The acquired attributes of self-reliance and pride in one work are the cornerstones of what is needed for life in the spirit realm. Work in the service of others is in the norm in the other world. The joy of contributing to the whole by practicing a profession one love is part of the wages. So, what's my conclusions? Learning to solve the problems of family holds the key to solving the problems of the world. Hence, by being presented with difficulties within our own small coterie of of family and relatives, we are given opportunities to rehearse what we need to do on a wider stage. Love coupled with a firm hand and a true moral compass are the only required tools for the job at hand. Use the disappointments that you have suffered and place them as campaign stripes on your sleeve. Think of the battles you fought and place a medal for each one on your chest. Visualize yourself as a decorated veteran. If you had glided through life without worries or problems, wouldn't you be marching with other veterans completely embarrassed? Instead, you stand proud with legions of others who have fought, learned, and acted bravely amidst the slander and accusations hurled at you. So, go forward, march on, this time anticipating the next battle, the skirmish around the corner. It will be there, and by acting bravely and calmly, right? Focus your energies, use love, understanding, and caring as your guide. Stay on the moral high ground as dictated to you by your conscience. Show yourself as a beacon of light to those around you. Your attitude and character will help others pull through also. All of this will ensure victory in life and promotion upon returning to the spear world. So I want to end this is again by telling you a couple of resources we have to help. One is my book is the problem is the solution. So this is talking about why are we going through what, why do we have the trials that we have? Well, a lot of that is set up by past lives. So if you want to get it and as uh, Leon Denis said, you can, you can pretty well figure out your past life in broad strokes. If you look at what you're going through now, right? And this is hopefully this book will also help you come to that realization. Now, if you'd like to improve spiritually in this life, there are variations for you. And I would say one of the things is in this book, uh, Mrs. of Hope, Spiritual Wisdom, Mrs. of Hope, there was a poem, 24 verses by Andre Louise. It was a great poem. And I took, and each stanza was pretty short. I took each stanza and said, okay, what does Andre Luis mean by this? And it was something that built up of what the attributes you needed to work on. And it built up one after the other into where you could really start. And I, it's helped me just writing the book and trying to figure out what I did is like for like three, four or five words. I said, okay, this is what I think the spirit is. The spirit world wants you to get from this. And this is how the spirit world wants to give it, has given you advice. I take all sorts of other books, giving you advice on how to achieve this state. Um, so I believe that's important. My other books, Heaven and Below, um, Spirits in the Spirit Universe, and How We're Guided by Spirits, will tell you more about the spirit world. And I think those, again, will be very helpful too if you like to learn. I, I can't recommend enough that for you, you know, don't have, don't read my books if you don't like. Read, um, read other books 
read, you know, as I said before, start with Alan Kardec's The Spirits book. He's great. And then also, if you want more one-on-one work with myself or some other uh, person who, who has a decent understanding of spiritism, go to spiritismstudy.org. You can arrange a, a, a phone conversation, either Skype or WhatsApp. And you go to that site, you can scroll down a bit, and it says you can get an appointment to talk about that. What happens, I'll get an email. I'll email you back saying, yes, I can talk to you at your, the hour you desired. Or I may ask for a different hour, mostly not. And I'll, you know, here's my Skype number or my WhatsApp number, Skype name or WhatsApp number. And we can talk. It's nothing you have to do. Uh, other people you know, always have good conversations. You can stop, start whenever you want. And a lot of these people, I still, I still email and talk all the time, not through this appointment scheduling now. That's kind of the start thing. So I want everyone, I want to ha- give you a, say you have a wonderful Sunday night. Please share this video uh, with others on Facebook. I will post this to YouTube. Please tell your friends. Go to YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't to my channel. Yeah, you can find my channel on my site, nwspiritism.com. Just scroll down on the right-hand side. It'll give you a link to my YouTube and my BizTube channel. Subscribe to either one. Uh, share and comment if you like. I've had a lot of great comments, a lot of good advice from people, so I really uh, welcome that. And I want to bless, tell blessings to everyone. And remember, we're here every Sunday night when I have no technical problems. And also, this is on Kardec Radio. Oh, oh I can't re- forget Kardec Radio. You can get that on your Android or Apple phone. Just type in Kardec Radio. You can; it's free for download. You get this program will be on it. Other great programs are on it, twenty-four hours a day. So again, good night and God bless everyone.